Hey everybody, you're listening to Sit Down with Stand-Ups, I'm Ari Azizian, and my guest today is Richard Barrett. He's the manager and booker at the world-famous Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, and he's the guy responsible for booking some of the greatest comedians and magicians in the world. From like Daniel Tosh to Gabriel Iglesias, he's been around to watch and help many of your favorite comedians grow and succeed. We talked about some of his favorite moments at the club, like hanging out with George Carlin and Rodney Dangerfield, and what makes a comedian great. Alright, here's my interview with Richard. Thanks for meeting with me at the Comedy Magic Club. World famous Comedy Magic Club. World famous Comedy Magic Club. Yeah. Uh, You've been working here for 20 years now? Not quite, but getting close there. Uh, February of 97, so 18 and a half. Wow, coming up. Yeah, that's awesome. Not far, not far. And you're the booker here at the Comedy Magic Club? I am. I have the cool job. I get to interact with all the performers and, you know, kind of a... Figure out who gets to play this room. That's awesome. It is the best job. (laughs) I kind of look over my shoulder all the time going, does anybody know I'm getting paid? (laughs) To hang out with comedy. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) It is the dream job, right? Yeah. Did did you start doing that here? No, you know, when I first started here, um, I kind of went through a weird little midlife crisis at 25 years old. (laughs) And uh, I had had quit my job that I had worked on, but I, I had... Uh, saved up a decent amount of money where I didn't have to get a real job for like maybe six months is what I figured. Yeah. And uh, I had split up with my girlfriend at the time, was in a bad situation where I lived. So I ended up, I quit my job and I moved down to Manhattan Beach. And one of my friends was waitressing here at the club. And I thought, and she said, they're looking for someone to work in the office. And I said, oh, you know what? That'll pay for like my going out money and some of my meal money for the next couple months maybe i don't have to get a real job for like eight months this might have just all kind of worked fallen into place and then the week i started here they uh unfortunately there was an embezzler here and they arrested her she ended up getting five years it was a pretty serious thing wow and um i have a a two degrees and one of them's in finance and uh they asked me if i wouldn't mind looking at some of the the banking stuff and, and start looking, helping with that in the morning, some of the deposit stuff. And so I started doing that almost immediately after I got hired here. And I worked in the, the office uh, for a little while. And I used to work in the mornings doing the deposits. And then I'd stay at night to watch the shows because it was just one of the benefits where, hey, I can stand in the corner and watch a show yeah. for free. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> That's why I wanted to work here so I could watch the performances. And I'd watch all the shows and would talk with the owner, Mike Lacey, and, you know, he'd ask, because he'd see me watching, and he'd say, hey, what'd you think? And I'd tell him what I thought about all the acts, and uh, I'd also make little pause button VHS tapes all the time of stand-up comedians, and so I'd sometimes say, hey, Mike, did you see this guy that was on, you know, A&E last night, evening at the Improv, and... He'd say no, and I'd go, oh, I got it on tape if you want to see it. You know, and so he would watch the some of them. Days where you to yeah, absolutely, show, yeah. right. And uh, so I had all these little tapes of all these stand-up comics I would make myself and uh, would sometimes show him guys that I thought, when he'd say, hey, who who do you think we should be using? I'd yeah. say, oh, I, I can show you nice. who my favorites are. And, uh, yeah, just kind of graduated. He was the one doing the booking at the time, and just it uh, evolved into, you know, him letting me first start um, – uh, booking the the undercard of the show, the the opening acts, the the hosts, and and uh, and then some of the variety acts, and uh, 
then it came to kind of lying out who I thought should be headlining and when. And, you know, he was really nice and had me start making the calls and start, you know, slowly integrating me into doing that. And uh, eventually just, you know, handed over the, the full awesome. reins. Yeah. You know, that's so, so cool. It was a little bit of a evolution over time. But uh, um, who were some of the first guys that you liked and you got on stage here like in those early years? Um, I don't know that there was anybody. Sp- that's the toughest part is trying to remember. And I, I started asking some of the guys, hey, do you remember how you got into the club? Yeah. There's guys I don't even know uh, <laughs> how they got in. And they tell these amazing stories that I was even part of. <laughs> I was talking with Darren Carter the other day, and he was telling me, yeah, you went and saw me at the Ice House Long Set. And you said, yeah, maybe this five minutes can work. That's awesome. And, you know, and, and so there's a couple guys like that. The guys that, you know, I've become huge proponents of and fans of Gabriel Iglesias and a Rodman and the Ian Bag and there's a handful of guys who have gone on to do some good things. Daniel Tosh is somebody that I um, really believed in yeah. early on uh, which when he first started here it was a very hit and miss act. It was some brilliant, brilliant stuff but some stuff that wasn't right for our room whatsoever. It was right. a little bit more geared towards a college audience which is where he was playing mainly and we're a very mainstream crowd that's, you know, not used to stuff that's, you know, too edgy or too dirty and he wasn't dirty but he certainly was, was edgy and, you know, he was still trying to figure himself out on stage and how that would work but you could tell that there were some, you know, insanely good jokes and so that's one that took some time and boy that guy's such a brilliant stand-up that's incredible, he, yeah. so he figured like it out he was just kind yeah of I, I kind of remember him coming in like the first uh the first time and i remember uh, i remember how a couple here, right? of, he lived like a, he ended up getting a house like a mile away from us because he specifically wanted to work more of a, a mainstream type room make this kind of his home club and be yeah. able to uh have a little bit bigger crowd than just the college market and wow. um the, the guy is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And it was, you know, he had an agenda and he worked hard for it and he was able to accomplish it because, I mean, that's, you know, you, you've seen him here and it, it doesn't matter the age. Uh, no. It I doesn't like matter. People in the front row, like, yeah, that, that guy is funny. So that's, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's neat seeing the evolution of some of these guys. And, uh, it, what's even funnier is not not just the comics, but uh, seeing some of their kids. So I go, oh my god, <laughs> I remember when you were just born, and now you're fifteen, seventeen wow, yeah. just years old, or some of them. Some of them have kids now in college, or now can come to see a show, <laughs> and you're kind of like, whoa. So that's where eighteen years really. I feel it sometimes. Quick, yeah. yeah, you know, seeing some of these guys' kids. What what would you say is the main difference between like a mainstream room like this club or like sure. a, like an alternative comedy? Sure. Um, uh, the mainstream crowd is looking for someone to just go on stage and and make them laugh, tell them jokes. They not worried if it's it's riffing on something new or how practiced and 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 tight it is. Just the fact that they want something funny that's consistently funny that everyone kind of gets right. and isn't for more of a little niche audience which uh, a lot of the alternative alternative rooms they're a little bit more intimate they're a little bit more personal it's not a lot of a actually now there are some that do characters but they're they're very well you know stated that this is a character kind of deal Um, and um, so the, the, the alternative rooms I think get a little bit more personal um and are able to play around a little bit more because usually they're in smaller alternative clubs aren't sitting 250 
right. people. Exactly. You know, it's a yeah. smaller group of people who tend to be a little bit more hip into what's going on. And so the performer is able to play around a little bit more, try something new, take more risks than someone who's trying to please a an entire audience. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, there tends to be a little bit more at stake as well. You know, there's people who are paying you know, there are some, you know some of the alternative rooms. You do have a cover charge, but it's rarely right more than five or ten bucks unless right, they're yeah. doing something special or you're seeing someone special. Because it is more about the risk and more about the you know trying stuff out. That's kind yeah, of off the wall you know. Well, here, I mean, it's you know tonight it's Friday night. They're paying twenty bucks and a two item minimum to right. come in. You it know, so good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have an expectation that's a little bit more like, hey, we don't want to see a goof around. We want to okay, see yeah. something that's prepared and and ready to go for us. You know. And this place is like I heard it's like a great place to try out stuff for like TV spots, like those five minute like late shows. Yeah, not spots. so much try stuff out as much as kind of put together. All the shit. Yeah, we we have a pretty uh, wide base for our audience. There, uh, you got a lot. We're not far from the airport. You got a lot of people that are in town. You know, tourists that are from all over, yeah. and so our our audience has a, a decent mix of of people who seem to be. You know, for the most part, fairly intelligent. I wouldn't say we have a dumb crowd. I, I would say we have a, a fairly smart crowd uh, who just want funny. It doesn't matter if it's something silly and stupid, as long as it's funny. Right. And they don't. And it could be really smart. They're, they're smart enough to get the smart stuff. Yeah. You know, as long as it's funny, that's what they want. Right. Uh, so a lot of guys will come down and work on their TV stuff because it is about as close to what seems to work on on TV as far as our crowds were. Reception to, to to jokes and the performers, right? Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. And Tosh like recognized that when he was doing colleges, and he's like, "I want to get good at this club." Or, that guy's as sharp as anybody I yeah. know. That's yeah, nothing gets past really him. Really cool. Yeah, and so you actually, so before you had your midlife crisis at yeah. twenty five, your yeah. mid midlife crisis, you were at Florida. Yeah, so I I uh, I was a military brat. I was born in Hawaii, but uh, grew up all oh, over. Yeah. Lived in Germany for a few years. Wow. Uh, Arizona, Kansas. Uh, my dad was part of the Big Red One in Kansas. Uh, and then we settled in Key West, Florida. And I went to high school there. And I consider that basically my hometown. My parents have since moved up to Jacksonville with okay. my sister and with my uh, uh, my niece. But uh, yeah, I went to high school in Key West, Florida. And then I went to college at Florida State. Uh, my first uh, stand-up comedy show. I uh, went and saw Sinbad. Really? That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> and then... It's like early um, 90s, late 80s. It Sinbad? would have been like 89 oh, or man. so, maybe. And it's like the peak of what uh, he was doing at the he time. Was, uh, a Different World was just starting, I think. I think he, we knew him from the Cosby show. Yeah. And he was. they were just starting to give him his own show with A Different Dang, World. I don't awesome. know if that actually had started yet. He came yet. to college? Uh, he came to Tallahassee, so he was he was at the comedy club that was it was a short lived comedy club that was was there, and then at the school, uh, I remember seeing uh, a comedian that used to do like a PI gimmick. I want to say his name was Tommy Sledge. Sledge. I think that was his last name. I'm kind of blanking. And then um, I, I saw Richard Jenny back then, and then I oh. went to see Carrot Top. And um, he's from there, right? Florida. Yeah, yeah. but oh, couldn't get in, <laughs> uh, and I was <laughs> shocked. I was like, how, did it, how come nobody went and saw these other shows? You know, none of them were sold out. And yeah, Caratops the one show that sells out. <laughs> but he was a beast back then. He's still he's still a very funny comic. Yeah, a lot of people use him as a butt of jokes and whatnot. And 
Uh, but you ever go see his show, man? He's a funny dude. Yeah, I'm going to go see him next week, I think, uh, in Vegas. Yeah. Tell your listeners uh, if I'm wrong, okay? Because okay. uh, <laughs> you ask anybody that uh, has seen the show or knows him, they'll tell you, oh, he's yeah, you know, he's a guy. Like, he has like a warehouse just full of his jokes and props and stuff. Like, he no, works it's really it, hard. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's, he's funny. That's awesome. So you saw Richard Jenny, Carrot Top, and Sinbad. So were, was comedy. I did like not something? see Carrot Top. Oh, you didn't? No, the oh. line was too big. I couldn't get in. Oh, so you didn't get in. Yeah, out. I was so disappointed. I brought friends, too. <laughs> <laughs> I remember us going, and they hadn't. They didn't know him. What was that then? club over there? And um, it might have been like, a, it might have been a comedy zone. Okay. I don't know. I remember it was on North Monroe Street, but I can't remember what it was. It was short lived, and then the student union is who had brought in Tommy Sledge and and uh, and Carrot Top. That's awesome. And then Richard Jenny was brought in for another school event. Wow, so it was yeah. Cool to see them, yeah. So you were always kind of like into stand up comedy. Yeah. So I used to watch all the shows. And like I said, I made little pause button videotapes of all the all the comics. And I had a uh, when I was in high school, I had a black and white TV in my uh, in my bedroom. Yeah. And uh, which shows you my age right now. <laughs> and uh, at nighttime, I would play the videotape and I would turn the contrast on the screen all the way to black. That way, if my parents were walking by, they wouldn't see like a flashing light underneath the door knowing that I was awake when I was supposed oh, to be wow, sleeping. Yes, hear it, yeah. So I would just listen to it and in my head, I'd always be like, oh, Dennis Wolfberg's making really big eyes right now. <laughs> or uh, Chuck and uh, David Strassman or, you know, David's walking off stage and Chuck's doing something, you know. That's so funny. His yeah. eyes are turning red right now or whatever the <laughs> case was going on. And so I used to make those and then I remember going to college and I had like a, you know, brought my, my, as people would bring their like uh, boxes of records, I had boxes of videotapes <laughs> and uh, a bunch of them were stand up. Yeah, I had, I had, I had a lot of, a lot of uh, music videos and, and shows and I had a lot of uh, stand up. And I remember in college, the Tim Allen, the two Showtime specials Tim Allen did, Men Are Pigs, and I, I can't remember what the other one was called, and uh, those being humongous hits and us all watching them repeatedly wow, and yeah. walking around <laughs> you know doing that the grunting and uh i remember my roommate taking them and playing them for his dad back in uh in, they lived in saint pete and uh it was great times yeah. it, was, it was fun yeah that's so cool so like it's always you always were interested in this something i always loved and so like i said when we went through a midlife crisis i was trying to i had made a list of things i enjoyed and stand-up comedy was one of them and so when i was talking with my friend who was working here you know uh it was just it was on my list so i was like yeah let me at least you know poke my head in and i could do this while i figure out Watch what's going on with my life stuff, yeah you know? Yeah, so very cool. What was that job before that you left? Uh, I worked for TWA, the airline. Oh, okay. and so it was a union job, and uh, I made good money because it was commission based. And uh, but uh, the union part didn't kind of work out for me. Um, it meant that there was little room for advancement. It was all based on how long you worked there, yeah. not your skills. I guess right. and so, uh, but the perks were good. I got to travel all over the country for that year. Nice. Where um, I think it was it was ten dollars one way, or twenty five dollars one way first class. Oh, and so yeah, fifty dollars <laughs> round trip. Yeah, you better believe I flew, I flew first job. class everywhere. I saw all my friends from college and. And yeah, it was it was a blast. So that's why so, there's no more TWA. Right. The first <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So. What's something that you like will see in a comic 
when you're like looking because you watch like hours of stand up sure. and you go to all these festivals you always want some type of personality that people enjoy and like uh now the material could be fantastic and the acts you know charisma on stage maybe not at the speed and uh the, the act can still get over but it's rare yeah you have to like the performer if you like the performer uh, in general, you're going to give them a, a more of a chance right. to, you know, enjoy their material, and so I think the uh, charisma, your ability on stage, which is something you can you can learn to have an audience kind of uh, become a little bit more at ease with you. You know, a lot of guys walk out on stage, and at first, it almost seems like they're fighting the audience yeah. to like them. And there's others who can walk on stage and they flash a smile likeable, or they have yeah. something a little goofy. Uh, Tom Papa walks out and asks, "How you guys are doing? You know, how, how's the show so far? Yeah, good. Yay! <laughs> you know, just that little yay. I just feel like the audience kind of going, ah, right. You know, so uh, puts them at ease. Kind yeah. Of. So a lot of times I look for someone who has a, a personality or a presence on stage that is very. Um, likable mm -hmm. and uh certainly engaging is always nice and then you look at the material and, and look for well-written jokes and somebody that's thinking a little bit differently and uh can do that multiple times right that's the you know there's totally. some guys who go wow he's got one good joke you know it might be kind of a fluke and there's <laughs> others who go oh there's something special there you right. know and yeah so it's uh but a lot of times it all kind of starts with the personality totally, there's, yeah. there's times where I'll be on the phone and I'll be watching something online and you kind of mute it for a second and you can still watch the person on stage and find them engaging in some fashion, you know, and you kind of go, oh yeah, this guy's, there's something here and right. I haven't even heard what he's saying <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm going to give it more of a chance. Attention. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's interesting that you can watch totally, stuff. Yeah. No, I know that's one about. of the things people don't think about that. The act is, is everything from the moment you walk on stage, the crowd is paying attention to you. So you want to be in character immediately, uh, whether that's yourself, whether that's, you know, a heightened version of yourself mm -hmm. or, or truly a character and, uh, everything comes into play, your material, your personality on stage, your physical actions on stage, yeah. you know? So, uh, all of that kind of is, is encompassed into the entertainer and into the performance. Who are some of the guys who are like as close to their on stage? character persona as they are like off stage there's some guys like alonzo Bowden was just here yeah. where you know it's it's him just a little bit more ranty on stage but he's himself, himself just telling yeah. stories gabriel iglesias oh, is yeah, about totally, as close yeah. to as you know he's, he's truly telling stories from his life and on stage you you and that's why i think people really connect with him because it's him Right. He, when he's selling himself, it's him. That's, he doesn't even that's write anything down, right? He just goes up and it's all in his head. Yeah, know? man. He's. <laughs> it's like him and Leno. Those are the guys that you know. They it's two hours in their head. Yeah, where it's 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 pretty crazy, but you know, it's it's he's telling stories. So, yeah. You know, it's it, it works out for them, but it's interesting how that's yeah those amazing. two guys yeah. get by doing that. Um, who else is very similar? There's a couple guys. There's uh, you know. Uh, there's some guys where it's, it's not much of a character. Tom Pop is a good example. There's guys like uh, sitting backstage, you could talk to a Henry Cho or to a Bob Marley literally as they're walking on stage and then they perform and walk off stage and they're right back in that same conversation. With wow, you yeah. Because there isn't a let me adjust into performance mode. That's just who they are. Like. Yeah, and they're seasoned enough where, you know, 
That's they so know if they have to amp it up in any way, but they're, they're, you know, well, it takes a confidence. Right. You know, you have to be able to walk on stage and, and pretty much put it out there that, hey, guys, this is funny versus, mm-hmm. hey, what do you guys think? Right. Yeah, you guys like this? Sure, you think yeah. this is funny? <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, you they've been able to accomplish that, you know? Right. Kathleen Madigan. Oh, totally. You know, there's, you know, she's trying something new. It's, you know, you're still going to sit there and know, okay, there's guaranteed laughs. She's not going to try something that's, you know, right. going to eat it in any <laughs> fashion. Uh, you've taken a lot of guys, like, under your wing over the years, and you help them, and you, like, critique their act or help them, like, put together stuff. I don't know about putting under my wing, but you certainly end up with some favorites and some young guys that and gals that you say, there's something there, uh, given some time in front of right audiences and hanging out in our green room, which is super important with these amazing comics. So much you can learn here by just watching and observing, um, listening to the good comics, watching them, watching how they prepare, um, you know, taking it seriously. There's, you know, you walk backstage and they're writing down their set lists and, you know, making sure they're checking their their notes to make sure they're going to be trying something new and getting something out of each set, you know? Um, Very important. A lot of guys, especially early on, it's about getting on stage as much as possible. But at some point it becomes, hey, I need to make each set uh, mean something in some way. So I'm either going to try something new, I'm going to try tightening something up, I'm going to try doing something different physically. Yeah. Uh, But... You want each set to kind of mean something instead of just another. That's so gig, smart. Yeah, you know, I never really me. thought of it like yeah. that. Yeah. So it's sometimes it's you it's, grow so much faster that way too. It's not so much taking somebody on your wing as much as going. Okay, I I think there's something here. I'm gonna give spots. Hopefully they're smart enough to learn. Maybe every now and then you need to nudge somebody mm-hmm. in the right direction. Um, but it's you know, I'm not gonna take too much credit for any of these guys you <laughs> right. know they're the brilliant minds i'm just you know believing in who i believe a lot of yeah you know and uh so what was the reason why you never wanted to do stand up is there uh, not interested yeah not interested in talking to groups of people that's usually the number one reason why i think most people wouldn't get in it yeah <laughs> and and certainly the hold back i don't have that desire to go out there my desire to be liked uh is it doesn't conquer that fear, I guess. Okay, gotcha. Um, I certainly want to be liked by people, but I I don't need it in mass groups <laughs> either, you know? 250 at one time. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. Do you like me, Ari? Yes. Yeah, cool. Then I'm Good all right. Enough. Then I'm okay. <laughs> um, what's like one of some of your like favorite stuff over the years that have happened here, like highlights, anything that um, stands out? Getting to meet and hang out with Rodney Dangerfield oh, wow. was, was really like? cool. I, I shouldn't say hang out. That wasn't the right word. Did he just pop in one but day? He, he came down a number of times. He, he probably headlined here four or five times over the years when I worked. And then he popped in a couple other times to introduce uh, young comics to us. Oh, wow. And he would call us and say, hey, do you know this kid, uh, Ari? Uh, no? Hey, can I come down on Tuesday and I'll do five minutes and bring him up? Wow, and so he would—he did that for a handful what an amazing of guy, yeah. guys down That's here. Amazing. Yeah, so that was really cool. So it was cool to see that and be around with them and and be able to talk to him. And then the the huge highlight is George Carlin uh, would right, come yeah. down like about an hour and a half prior to the shows, and he would spend half an hour just sitting in the green room talking with me, just wow. about what was going on, and yeah. and you know just 
general life kind of deal. And then he would spend like an hour um, just performing the act to himself, to the mirror in the green room, just trying to memorize the words. Because at that point, that's what it was. It was him performing a written piece. Right. And so a lot of it was trying to make sure every word was crazy specific you know an hour and a half yeah he'd come down early because he wanted to run through that so there would just be you know some time for us to sit back and just kind of catch up and then he would go into that's crazy you know sit he'd have the door open in in the green room and he would just just, yeah he'd just be sitting there and just trying to you know remember the (laughs) the words i heard he had a time card in his office when he'd go right you'd punch in and then start writing oh really yeah i believe it it was like very whatever it takes everybody's got different you know methods but uh you have to devote the time i'm when i was looking for a job when i got out of college my my mom had said you should she'd say you know did you look for jobs? And he'd be like, hey, I like the newspapers or I put in an application yeah, at this place or that place. And then she'd be like, no, you don't understand. You should be spending eight hours a day looking for a job. Your job should be looking for a job. Right. So it was always kind of ingrained upon me that, oh, you got to put in the time. And mm-hmm. so it was the same with the comics. Now, travel becomes part of the time that you have to put in as a, as a performer. But... You know, it's almost like on a daily, the, the successful acts usually on a, a daily basis are going, oh, you know, here's my routine where I, I wake up and I do this, but right. then I write or try to write for, you know, an hour or however long it may be. Yeah. Or I write in my journal and then I sit down and do some writing later in the day for my act and, right. or just write, you know, just to get in the habit of doing it over and over. Um, that's what, you know, a lot of successful acts seem to be doing. Um what are those things that you stick out to you that separate the people from, like, the Jerry Seinfelds to, like, just the everyday comedian? or? Um, there's obviously a talent. Yeah. And uh, and then um, Like the George Carlin ethic. practicing for a mirror. There's I never not too guessed. many acts that make it without having the work ethic. Mm-hmm. And you have to put in the time. There's, there are successful acts early but there are no great acts at an early age it takes time you have to go through all of the paces go through the process uh to become a great comic you have to um do a lot of learn from a lot of crappy situations crappy gigs crappy crowds whatever the case may be you have to go through that you can't just skip that part of it and be a good comic no you have to go through some of the bad things and the learning, pro- just the learning process mm-hmm. to become a great comic. So there's successful guys early on, but not great. Um, so you, it usually takes some time and going, you know, working. And that's where the work ethic comes in, you right. know, going through all those, putting yourself out there uh, often enough and working hard and getting up on stage with the talent. And then, yeah, taking that talent and, and really honing it and working it and not letting it just, you know, it's, it's easy to get by going, ah, I'm right. funny and I'm talented. Well, if you're not sitting and writing or getting up every night, it's not going to, you know, totally, yeah. uh, evolve and get better. Um, so, and that's the great thing about comedy, too, is it does seem like the more you do it, uh, if you have a talent, you're going to get better at it. You know, your editing will get better and your choices get better. And um, so there's not like an age limit, you know, there's, right. there's guys who are, as they get older, seem to get better, better which yeah. is awesome. Um, so I, I think, I think it's as simple as talent and, and work, hard work sometimes, work ethic, yeah. you know, and yeah, you know, you, you, sometimes you got to get lucky, 
But then when you get an opportunity and you get lucky during that opportunity, you have to have the skills to back it up and the talent to back it up. And that's where by working hard early on, you know, you set yourself up for success instead of, you know, one hit wonder kind of status. Right. Yeah. Which happens. Doing a mic whenever you feel like it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was a guy I remember in the year or two when I was off from here, like going up to like the improv and the comedy store. There's a guy I kept seeing everywhere, improv, comedy store, and he would just eat it. Like, every time I'd bring yeah. my friends, like, oh, I saw this guy last week, and he just, it would be the worst. Like, he wouldn't, you know, I was like, maybe he learned this time. Nope, it would just go back. But then I realized, <laughs> I was like, you know what, that guy's going to get good because he's coming up every single night after just bombing and bombing and bombing. And then there's some people who I don't see for months on end. And like that, that's the guy who's gonna eventually figure it out or something. Cause if he's got a talent, I if he doesn't, he might be languishing. Yeah. It, uh. <laughs> Maybe he's just used to that kind of pain in front of two hundred yeah. people. <laughs> he enjoys it. Um, hey, some sadist. Yeah, I don't know. I just think yeah, the work ethic is super important. Yeah, yeah. You just have to you know, prepare for the opportunity, and so when the opportunity comes, you go, "Oh, I've been doing this for fifteen years. This isn't a fluke that my time is now." come i'm prepared for it yeah i can do it and before i interrupted you what were some of the stuff that you guys talked about like you and george carlin when you guys were hanging out you know it was cool we would just talk about what was going on in our lives and the tv would be on in the background and so we'd have it on like cnn or news and you know if something popped up i'd constantly be like hey did you know this guy or somebody had passed away recently i might ask if you knew them or whatever was going on but he would come down early and we'd spend like half an hour just chatting as he just kind of got into show mode and yeah uh the owner mike lacy had would have gone home to change so he could come back and watch the show and yeah. i'd be there and the only one sitting in the green room with george yeah, and we'd sit awesome, there and yeah. hang for half an hour and probably did that 25 30 times wow. you know that's incredible yeah, he was the sweetest dude. Yeah. He was so nice. It's just you know, obviously the maybe the greatest performer, but one of the greatest you know comedians uh, we've seen. Uh, but just as nice a guy as you could That's imagine. Amazing, yeah. yeah, he was just a sweet guy, and so he'd sit there and chat with. Him. It was just wow. chatting. It wasn't. Yeah. You know anything just specific what's going on and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. And so, so that's really neat. And then certainly becoming friends with a number of the comics and so when i see them it's always cool to catch up whether it's sports or personal or you know whatever's going on it's 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 nice because uh um my job is truly about building relationships you know kind of the liaison between the club and the performers okay and so um as a small independent club in los angeles um there's a lot of places, a lot of theaters and arenas and other clubs that are paying them a lot more money to go to. So there needs to be a reason why they come down here. So you hopefully treat everybody right all the time, mm-hmm. no matter if they're the big name yet or if they're the, the small name. They remember that. And you just do things the right way and try to set it up where they're in, they have the best chance to succeed on stage, you know, uh, which means how we deal with the, the crowd. Uh, as well as the performers, and um, they remember that, you know, just like anything. It's yep. it's about relationships. Totally, yeah. I, I was totally spoiled working here first. This is like the first comedy club I was at. Right. So when I went off to college, I went to like Punchline and Cobbs, and then I went to like a, other, a bunch of other clubs later on. And yeah. I was like, Man, this club was <laughs> so special. I didn't even realize it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I feel like respect and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, it starts at the top. Uh, the owner of the club, Mike Lacey, is as wonderful a person 
as you can imagine, and he truly believes in just doing the right thing. It's yeah. not about how much money we make at the end of the day. It's about, you know, did we do the right thing and make a lot of people happy uh, from the customer standpoint, the performer standpoint, the staff that works here, everybody. Yeah. You know, we all got to win at the end of the totally, day. Totally, yeah. That's his goal. And then I usually ask comics, like, what was their worst bomb, too, after that? What was their favorite stuff, you know? Huh. What's, like, the – is there anything that, like, happened here that was, like – a nightmare. You know what? It's sometimes dealing with the crowd where, um, you know, dealing with someone who's drunk or someone who's unhappy for any reason that a lot of those end up sticking with you. Unfortunately, we haven't had too many incidents with comics every now and then, you know, somebody heckling and might get into it back and forth with a comic if we're not able to handle it as a staff quick enough. Right, yeah. Uh, thankfully, we're pretty good, and the comics recognize that and allow the staff to do their job. Uh, occasionally, you know, for whatever reason, you know, somebody <laughs> we didn't work hard enough or the person that the customer, the audience member, whatever you want to call them, isn't going to... Uh, stop yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know for whatever reason or the comic just you know felt the need um so sometimes that stuff happens and it, you know again you remember some of them and they stay yeah. with you for days <laughs> and weeks and months and years sometimes you know but they tend to be few and far between totally i yeah. mean we're a place that you know try to make people happy for a living and you walk out every night with we are blessed we have the the best performers in the world walk through our doors. Hands down, the best performers in the world walk through our doors. Yeah. The best comics in the world walk through our doors. And so the guy, the shows that we're putting on are top-notch, and it's rare something isn't working. Uh, so we make people happy for a living, and we leave happy here. You know, it's yeah, Every single too. night here, like it's a great show. It's not like yeah. another club where you go, like, oh, man, next month they have one good show. You every have night to here. worry about that as a small business. Totally, yeah. You know, you do have to. It's, it's not about some places you go, oh, I went to go see a show and it wasn't good, and you can perhaps blame the performer, mm. you know, where you go and say, oh, I didn't like this comedian. He just wasn't funny, but I'll go back and see another show there. And then sometimes people kind of associate, you know, we're a comedy club, and if they come to the comedy club and don't have fun, they might associate that with, well, we're not going to go back there again because it wasn't a good time, even though it's a different set of performers walking in. So you do have to worry on a nightly basis that you're putting on as good a show as possible. And you don't know what's going on with the people that are here in the crowd, you know, whether they're the the happy-go-lucky guy who just wants to keep everything up and have fun or whether there's some need or void in their life that they need filled. And you'll get let, well, there's the occasional letter that comes in or somebody tells us a story and they'll say that, you know, oh, took my parents out with us and they were holding hands like they were on their first date kind of deal, having just the the best time ever. And unfortunately, someone passed, but I just wanted to let you guys know it was such a wonderful memory last time I saw them at your club. And you just kind of go, oh, my God, I hope the show was great that day. (laughs) You know, what if we had just an okay show? I don't even know what (laughs) night they were here. So a lot of times you don't find out till afterwards. So it's you go in on a nightly basis just going, oh, man, how can we make sure the show is fantastic? And, And that's where Mike is really good about he wants to know who's on the show, and there's nights where he's like, oh, 
is there anybody we can add to the show to make it a little stronger? And sometimes I'm a little bit like, ah, you know, what, what are you doing, man? Come on. No, I got it. <laughs> I'm done. And and then oftentimes he's right where I feel like, oh, it was smart adding one more act or yeah. just bumping it up because now, look, we're walking out of here going, oh, my God, how unbelievable was tonight. Show, yeah. yeah. And would it have probably been great otherwise? Sure. But I'm walking out thinking it's great and that's what matters, you know? Totally. Yeah. Would you say that that's like your, as from a business side, it's just like great shows and yeah. Well, you know, there's a couple of there's a couple of there's like three different things here at a at the club, where the show, the service, and the food, Mm. uh, all come into play, and those are the three things that if one of them isn't up to speed, uh, can stop someone from coming back. Yeah. You know, if they don't enjoy the actual food itself, they might say, oh, we're not going to eat there again. And it might stop them from coming out when they're thinking about what they're going to do some right. night. Totally, yeah. If a show isn't good, obviously, that's the main bread and butter yeah. of what we do. And if the service, if somebody doesn't treat you right or you feel awkward in a place, you're probably less likely to go back there. You know, true, even yeah. if you have a good time, you might go, God, every time I go there, though, these guys do this or right. say this or make me feel uncomfortable well why you, you stop going you find some True, other alternative yeah. you know we're not the only comedy club in town and we're not the only entertainment uh thing you could do on a nightly basis so there are options otherwise so try to do our best to make sure everybody's happy and those all three of those things are really important but yes the the show itself is why they're coming to to right. our club you know, totally. if we have good service and good food, uh, <laughs> no show. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not bailing before the show, so <laughs> I you think know, they're coming to see the show. Comedy's not really their thing. The stakes, though. <laughs> Magic, okay. Comedy, <laughs> decent. Stakes, fantastic. <laughs> um, I was wondering what you thought about. How do you feel about comedy today, and where do you see it going, like in the next ten or so years? You know, I, I'm just such a huge fan of comedy and stand-up specifically um that i you know it, it it doesn't go away it's it's completely who my life is i'm in this bubble so i i don't go oh it's are we funnier than we were 10 years ago well there's there's different options available you can go on t- social media and you know twitter and it, you know instantly hear what a variety of different people feel about different topics and podcasts like yours. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways of getting entertainment that 10 years ago wasn't available. Right. right. So that's kind of neat. Uh, and I think it'll just continue to expand as we find ways to hear from more and more people quicker and quicker, you know? Um, and I, I don't think it's ever anything that's going to go away. It's an art form that there, there's nothing like a live performance, and even as we become, you know, more immersed in technology, you still want to go to the football game. True, you still yeah. want to go see the, the band live. Yep. And comedy is the same way. It's an experience that was meant to be taken live. You know, you watch it on TV. It's good. You're in a crowd with other people enjoying themselves watching it live. It's better. Totally. And so we're always going to have that advantage. Now, it's tougher to get people to leave their houses sometimes because they have so many more options and it's a lot more convenient for them, but it's not better, you know, watching it on your phone, watching it on your computer, watching it on your TV is not better than going to see it live. So we always have that. So it's always going to be around. It's just getting people to go out and see it and, and, and taking chances on nights and, and shows with people you aren't familiar with. 
sometimes you know right ask ask around and ask who people enjoy and and you know certainly you can go on youtube and and, and check some people out but uh that's the you know it's not just going to see the comic. the biggest name act yeah, yeah. you know you know it's, it's taking chances and and it's kind of neat sometimes finding favorites who aren't you know everybody else's totally. cup of tea yet yeah. and then you get to watch them on their rise up you know that's one of the great things about working at the club you see these guys and girls that walk in early on and you go Oh, I I've known them for right. five years. <laughs> you guys are just catching on now. Yeah. Oh, you know, no, like well, we all we TV. all enjoy that feeling. You know, right? Special. That's awesome. So yeah, I feel like comedy. If you ask ten years from now, it's like, yeah. the best right now. Or if you ask twenty years from now, it's the best right now. Anytime right? it's going on, it's just like so happy that it's yeah, <laughs> you know, to be a part of it and it evolves. It, you know, yeah. part of you goes, oh, there's less. You know, are are a majority of topics covered in some fashion over the years? Well, there's always new things. Yeah, there's there's new things happening every day and new situations, and everybody's different. So we're always going to get unique stories. And like I said, you know, they they weren't making jokes about the iPhone ten years ago. Right, exactly. Uh, so there's there's what we're going to be think okay. Is something that like helps comics who are maybe a little bit older, like sustained or like cross. Cause I was talking to like Dom Herrera and you said there's like a gap. Yeah. You know what it is? Over. It's still trying to be relevant to a crowd. You don't want your, for the most part, you don't want your crowd to age with you too much. That was what was cool about why Dangerfield was my favorite act. And he was, <laughs> he had been 50 years or whatever, yeah. you know? <laughs> and I thought he was the greatest thing ever. Uh, cause it was an act that was timeless, right? It was just funny jokes and it was jokes quick, bang, 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 you know? And so, uh, I think it's, it's, it's not just doing material that, uh, only a certain audience is going to get only your peers. It's still staying in tune with what's going on. And that's, a, you know, the great thing about our business is it, it does keep us young because we you do need to stay kind of hip and current to what's what's happening, on, you yeah. know? Yeah, and you need to know, you know, what what are they talking about nowadays, you know? What are, they, what are the kids talking about <laughs> nowadays? I sound old right now. But uh, it does kind of keep you young and that you're, you know, a little bit more totally, yeah. in tune with what's going on in the world. Right. What's your opinion on all this, like, college political correctness stuff? Is that true or? Yeah, you know, a lot of colleges, it, we're in a time where uh, you're almost forced to play it safe uh, for a lot of reasons. You know, it's, we're a very litigious society. People sue for reasons left and right. People are, yeah, there. Are, some people are offended by stuff that uh, shouldn't be offensive. <laughs> yeah, you know, either wasn't meant to be offensive right. or a, a, a normal person might not feel is offensive everybody's different but now it seems like everyone has a voice right especially because of social media yeah. yeah you know before it used to be oh yeah you know the, the only person who's you know you I mean, hear I from somebody so <laughs> <laughs> i think that's the threshold right, <laughs> right. There. apparently you don't have to have a talent to have a show anymore exactly <laughs> <laughs> um so i yeah you know the colleges are, are a little bit safer uh they don't want to offend any anyone, so they ask people to play it safe. Uh, that's fair. They they usually let you know going on, going in, into it, what to expect. As long as people tell you what to ex what they what they expect from you going in as a performer, that's all you ask for. Right. Then you have the choice of whether you want to accept that gig or not. True. Yeah. 
you know? So you can't really be upset at the end. If no. You knew and sometimes that's what it is. They'll say, we'll pay you X amount of dollars to give us this certain type of performance, you know? And the acts that can work a couple different ways go, oh, I can work within that right. format. Great. Especially for that amount of money. And then what's, like, the main difference? Because our club, I would say, is generally clean club. Sure. What, what would you say is the... Is there a benefit to working clean or dirty, or is there a difference? Benefit to working clean is that you don't have to change your act for TV or pretty much any crowd. If you're funny and clean, no one's going to come up. If you were funny enough, they're not going to come up and say, geez, I wish you had, you know, had a couple extra dick jokes or you had been dirtier. That's true. Yeah. Uh, however, if you're dirty, even if you are funny, someone might come up and say, oh, you were just too dirty right. for us. No matter how funny you were. My grandma was in the audience. She Why might. They that? might feel <laughs> that way. So it, it it's never going to make your audience smaller or have that effect. You know, it'll it'll give you every chance and again you don't have to change it for dv you don't have to change it for performances uh for the general public right in any fashion or like you said a college and um if you work that way it's a lot easier for the people who are booking those type of shows or those type of events to watch you and know that oh this guy can do it instead of going gee i wonder what the act would like be like if they didn't curse right. even though they only cursed a handful of times or there was only one or two jokes where the content was an issue. Well, you, now they're still wondering, can you do it? It True, might be yeah. a little bit more unsure, even if, you know, as an actor's like, no, I can work clean. We're like, well, that's not what I saw. So You um, can still be edgy and clean. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Edgy's not about being dirty. No. You know? It's making people think and, and pushing them to extremes, you know, pushing them to the edge. Those it's not, not about guys. going over the yeah. edge, you know, a lot of times. And even you, you can't can go over the edge without being... There's some you guys know, I listen to them like, man, dirty. I was like, I felt dirty, but when you look back at it, it, was, right. it didn't say anything, no. it was bad, and it was just really just playing with your head material. a little bit in yeah. some fashion, and your heart sometimes, too. Exactly, yeah. I love that stuff. That's my favorite stuff. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man, that sounded dirty. No, it was totally clean. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, can I ask some yeah. of your, who are some of your favorites today that you like some just always make you today. laugh? Or? Uh, I like the guys who interact with the audience. Ian Bag, Jeremy Hotz. Yeah. The acts are always different, and they're so on top of the game of what they're doing, man. Oh, Those yeah. guys are g geniuses. I use the word genius a lot for the performance, <laughs> I know, because I do think they are. Uh, Don Mara famously on this podcast once said, two words, I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> that, that guy's he is funny. Yeah. Uh, Dom's unbelievable that's what's great is that all these guys that walk through here to say do you have favorites you're kind of like yeah i got like 200 of them i can make a list that i go oh yeah. every time they're on stage i have to go walk out and watch it i love greg Hahn. i love yep. the wild aspect of that where i just feel like oh, i gotta go out there to watch greg and then half the time i'm just watching the crowd as they try Correct. to go what's going on here <laughs> as they laugh and then kind of completely buy in and go oh this guy's just a psycho this is fun <laughs> did you ever you see know? him like in those early days in florida because that's no, where he started i did right? not uh, oh, yeah man. yeah he's so great he's yeah like, geez, like there's a great video. I don't know if he wants me to say this. There's a great video of him doing some acting with like Steve uh, Carell. Steve Carell and the Lucy Cayman. Yeah, the Lucy Cayman. Yeah. Did you see so close funny, of that? Yeah. <laughs> he was showing it to me on, on YouTube a, a while back, and I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> he was like, "Willie." My favorite thing. I think he was on the Bob and Tom show. Maybe. Yeah, yeah he's on that he all the time. Playing drums in his interview. Oh, oh man. He's we had him bring the drums here, and he, oh, he did, did it on stage one time. And. Uh, 
it's it's interesting. I was envisioning kind of like Animal from the Muppets, just this <laughs> insanely wild and would stop and say a one-liner and then kind of yep. go into this wild Animal from the Muppets uh, kind of rim shot kind of deal and then go back into doing one of his quick little one-liners. Yep. Uh, instead, he is such a good drummer and musician <laughs> that there's no going like off beat or off, <laughs> he can't just go wild crazy it, it's all kind of contained in this you know he's he's a fantastic he's drummer a phenomenal drummer yeah, yeah. He's really good right so it's cool but it just in my head it wasn't what it it turned out to be totally but it was yeah. still kind of cool and it was one of those deals where it's like at the end of the night we're like well you know what can make this night go any crazier <laughs> and then we open the back curtain and there's a set of drums sitting there and you know the crowd's just kind of like what's going on <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. and then it ended up being just good. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was good, not phenomenal. This was actually great drumming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ending of you great know? drumming with Greg Hahn. Yeah, I was like, ah, oh, it's too bad. He's actually so good at this. Instead <laughs> of just, I wanted to see craziness. We got to watch the Bob and Tom one. He like he has like, literally it. like fifteen symbols. Oh, that's the best. Nuts. Yeah, yeah. That's there's somebody like if you if you haven't seen him perform live, you can watch him on TV and it's it's good. He's funny. But when it's you see him live, man. oh man! The electricity is just like, yeah, and you got to walk into the. I got to walk into the room to see him. Um, yeah, so there's a bunch of guys. I feel like oh no, when they're on stage, I got to walk into the room and, totally. and see them. You know, yeah. whether it's because they're they're friends or just because the act is so damn good. Yeah. Yeah, you awesome. know how it is. There's nights where you look over and you go, well, the green room's over there standing off to the side watching. Nobody's <laughs> right. back exactly. in the green room yeah, anymore. Out, yeah. Why watch it on the monitor when you can <laughs> see it live? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yep. Thank you so much for sitting down. Oh, of course, to Ari, anytime. Thank you so much. Sorry, Ari. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. All right, buddy. <laughs>